This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Mapper Forward's first on-demand workshop, How to Become a Coffee Consultant, available now online for you to learn at your own pace with a certificate available upon completion. Click the link in the show notes to access today for just 50 euros. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Mapper Forward, friends. I'm your host, Lee Safar, and this is episode four of our five-part series about acquiring coffee knowledge. And today on the podcast, Simon, we are going to talk about trends in, uh, in coffee knowledge transfer. So one of the interesting trends that I think that has come up uh, in the past few years is something that actually came out of the pandemic which was when coffee producers were looking for a way to handle uh, some of the scenarios that they were dealing with where they had extra fruits and and extra, um, uh, they had to solve some problems for themselves. And so they decided to use this fruit as a part of processing coffees. It took off. Uh, It got given the name of infused coffees by certain people in the industry. It became a trend. And then there became this divide of whether this trend was a good trend, it's not a good trend. It kept evolving. So different producers started to push it into different directions. The same thing happened with fermentation. Um, You know, all of these trends started happening. We recently had um, a guest on the podcast, uh, Andreas Felipe uh, Ospina, and he was talking about the Koji trend. Um, mm-hmm. and he was, he was talking about the damage that that did, um, and is continuing to do in certain producing countries because they're using a Koji that's not native to Colombia and it's killing everything in its wake, uh, from a microbial perspective. So there are all of these trends. Um, and then somebody who's cool or famous turns around and says that either this trend is a good trend or it's not a good trend. To me, that's knowledge transfer. When you subjectively decide whether a trend is something that should be followed or not, uh, now all of a sudden you are using that power that you have as a cult leader to disseminate your opinion on whether knowledge is correct or not. What are your thoughts on this way of knowledge transference? I think the, the interesting thing is that this uh, this question and this example of, of or the, the fact that there are trends in the industry, um, we've you know we've seen that with roast profiles, we've seen that with the, yeah. the way espressos are being uh, are being are being served with fermentation, um, and including uh, including koji, including yeast and bacteria, and including um, fruits and, and infusing. Um, with different in different ways, there, there are different trends, and uh, it. I think to me, it all goes back to that objectivity subjectivity aspect. Where, um, well, there are some people who are uh, in favor of certain trends, people who are against specific trends, and, and this is when you have divergence of opinions. And uh, some people will sort of try to establish the fact that this is the right way of doing things, and other people will sort of say, no, this is the wrong way of doing things. Um, I don't really have an opinion on this, generally speaking. However, I do believe that uh, people, like consumers, should just decide for themselves what is right and what is wrong. Like, what do you, what coffees do you enjoy? What coffees do you not enjoy? And and re- regardless of whether this is a trend and regardless of whether this is right or wrong, 
Um, I think it all comes down to the final cup and to this sort of like very objective aspect of what are the qualities of this coffee with following this specific trend. So um, I, I mean, people can give their opinion on specific trends, whether they like it or not, but mm -hmm. for someone to come out and say, this is the right way to do things. This is the wrong way to do that. I think to me, it's a big red flag from an expert point of view, because you're, as an expert, you're supposed to also take your, this, unless there's, there's a, a health hazard or a risk associated to it. Mm -hmm. um, then it's important to sort of raise awareness around that. But for you, for, for an expert to go out their way and, and have a strong opinion on that based on personal preference or even be like financial interest. Um, I think this is wrong. And to me, as someone who's witnessing a message, like such a message, it raised a big red flag. So It shows a lack of openness and it shows a lack of, um, I guess, general expertise in, in this idea of being curious about the way business is being conducted, the way that agriculture is being mm -hmm. conducted, the way that producers need to adapt to changing economic uh, circumstances. You know, decisions Absolutely. are made not just based on taste. It's such and an entitled perspective from the consuming yeah. end of the market to turn around and decide that this is something that producers should or shouldn't do uh, just because somebody has an opinion about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're right. Like some of the well, some some trends around in infused coffees. Like uh, we've seen infused coffees for a long time. Um, it's something that has been around for a very long time. Where mm. even roasters were infusing coffee with with vanilla and chocolate and caramel at some point. And now it's being done a little bit more at the, in producing countries for some of the reasons that you mentioned. Um, I think to me, the, to me, the thing that strikes me the most with this specific topic is that. It's there's a win-win situation where there's a lot of fun consumers that love these coffees, mm -hmm. um, and there are producers who are willing to do these coffees and that also have financial interest in doing that. So if you're sort of sitting in the middle, preventing producers and, and consumer from connecting, I think that's that's definitely problematic. Um, but everyone is entitled to have their own opinion, and I think the about specific trends and specific uh, coffees, etc. But the thing that you'll, I mean, you see in the coffee industry, and you see that in, in many, many other industries, is that because it's still quite young, there's a lot of new trends and it's constantly shifting and there's new yeah. things coming all the time. And for what I found is that for a lot of people, that's very, like, that's very unsettling because your knowledge is constantly being challenged. And some people don't like that because when your knowledge is challenged, then your expert status is challenged. Which means that, and you've probably experienced that working in cafes where the head barista, someone's more experienced, has been working behind the bar for 15 years, is now being challenged by new styles of extractions and different mm -hmm. ways to temp. When, when we finally discovered that temping and knocking with the, the right. temper um, on the portafilter filter was a terrible thing, then you have a whole bunch of very experienced people who felt very threatened by this. When the puck press came out, this innovation came out. I remember everyone with automatic temper came out. A lot of people were sort of like, felt, well, felt threatened by this. Yeah. They felt like this was this was wrong, and it was removing the craftsmanship from coffee making, etc. And and you see this with innovation. You see this with new trends, and you see this with new things coming out. Um, and I think something that's important is to remain versatile with what you know and to become comfortable 
and even excited to be proven wrong and to learn new things. And I think that's the thing that I've been having this conversation with many people that that do find it frustrating in coffee that you know you you know a certain number of things, but because it's such a complex product that you're always being proven wrong by mm. by coffee. I, I do blind tastings on a daily basis to understand specific variables. So typically in the morning, I'll brew two coffees, two of the same coffee. I'll just change one variable. I'll do blind tasting. And then if I do that, you know, two, three times a day over a whole year, I've basically tested 2000 variables or mm. the same variable multiple times. So it helps me build this understanding. And by doing a blind tasting, I try to build a hypothesis on, okay, I think that this specific variable, like this specific filter will increase acidity and reduce body. I build this hypothesis and then I verify it. And if I can predict it, then I understand this variable. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time I get it wrong. And, you know, I think that, oh, this is the, this is the light paper filter. This is the darker paper filter or like whatever variable it is. Or I think this is this water mineral composition. I think this one is that. And it's unsettling because I do consider myself a, a coffee expert in specific areas and getting it wrong doesn't hurts. feel it hurts you know, doesn't your heart. Feel <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I've, I've sort of learned how to become, make peace with that mm. and even be excited about that. I think what really excites me is that I wake up in the morning and I know that I'm going to learn new things about coffee. And if I didn't learn new things about coffee, I'd get, I'd be very bored. I'd be, I'd be very unexcited to, um, to do some more testings and more experiments. So in general, I think when you look at trends, uh, people feel, uh, a lot of people feel threatened by them. Uh, mm. They feel threatened by innovation as well. And to me, it's all about getting comfortable being wrong and, and also having the vulnerability to say that you're uh, you're wrong but i think it all comes comes down to we didn't really talk about that in in what makes an expert but uh, when you look at and i think that that's something that's cultural but when you look at the educational system in in many countries the teacher in primary school is this godlike figure that's mm -hmm. right about everything and whatever the teacher says is correct and same thing with our parents where our parents say things and we as kids believe that it's true and because our parents are the most respected human beings yeah. uh, on the planet when we're kids and they are like gods and goddesses. But I think it's important from early on to realize that they're just people. Uh, we're humans and mm. uh, people people mess up and people are wrong and and we need to accept that and we need to be able to to be willing to um, to be upfront with it and to say I was wrong. That's you know I made the statement and I was wrong about it. Um, and there's nothing, I mean, it's very human. I, I find it incredibly admirable when people have this vulnerability to say, I was wrong about this. You were mm. right about that. And there's this same thing with trends, I think, where people get uncomfortable with innovation um, because it's threatening what they know. It's threatening what they think is true. And um, and again, I think people just should, should just make their own opinion about new trends. Some trends yeah. are just temporary. Some trends are there to stay. Um, when geisha as a variety became popular, some people thought it was going to be uh, uh, for a short a period fad. of time, and then it became massive. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and we still with other varieties. When pink bourbon emerged a couple of years ago in Colombia, I heard many people say, "This is the new geisha. This is the new geisha." It didn't quite become the new geisha. Nah. And then we heard this with Sidra, and we heard this with a whole bunch of varieties. And some new varieties became the new geisha in a mm -hmm. way. But so there are trends. There are, trends are here to stay. There are trends that are um, just a fad. But at the end of the day, it's it's up to 
each and every one of us to decide what we believe or what we yeah. think of these trends if it's, it's if it's the right thing or if it's right or if it's wrong and also to you did mention something important to look at the whole value chain to understand mm. what are the implications of these trends because geisha for example i, I love geisha as a variety it's probably mm -hmm. one as of much my as sudan or Well, I do like Sudan. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a few varieties that I really enjoy, and Geisha is one of them. I could drink Geishas uh -huh. all day long. I think they're amazing <laughs> varieties. But when it emerged, there's a whole bunch of producers around the world that started planting Geishas. And Geisha grows in 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 Boquete, in Panama, better than in other areas at mm. low altitude with high sun exposure and more stress on um, on trees. And, you know, that's that's sort of like put some producers in a situation where they've produced geisha uh, the mm -hmm. geisha trees are low yield that are a little bit more um, susceptible to disease um, and are not essentially viable to to grow and that's that's put some producers in uh, in a pretty dire situation and the end consumer actually the demand for geisha is maybe not even that high because uh, only specialty coffee professionals drink geisha and are <laughs> willing to pay the premium price for it but who's the, market? the average Yeah, it was the average. I mean, the average consumer that drinks a flat white with two sugar couldn't care less about that. So, it's 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 very interesting to look at a specific trend from multiple point of view. Like, mm. um, I mean, I like this variety, and I think it's a great. But for example, uh, Koji um, uh, is a good example. We've we've done um, at Zest some um, some work with some producers around Koji um, last year, and we did uh, conduct some Koji workshops uh, late last year around the country. Mm -hmm. And koji is, is incredible as a way to um, as a way to convert sugars in coffee and to unlock mm -hmm. you know, different flavors. And it's incredibly easy to set up and incredibly uh, accessible and cheap for producers. But there are other implications, like um, yeah. you know, introducing foreign microbes into a new environment. Um, you know, with that Which if it's not controlled properly, can can. Seeing that with uh, it's, it's happening in other industries where um, specific fungus in, in um, winemaking were introduced in other regions and have sort of like destabilized the uh, entire the ecosystem. E ecosystem, yeah, mm. and it's yeah. in a given place. So there are there are pros and cons to a lot of these trends, uh, and I think it's important to have a look at all of them, and again to have a little bit of critical thinking to sort of like ask yourself, you know, is this information reliable? Um, who is backing this information um, mm -hmm. and to take a little bit of perspective with with some of that and you set us up perfectly for the next conversation for the last one, exactly. <laughs> we're going to talk about critical, critical thinking, thinking in coffee that was the perfect setup so join us for the next episode the final of the series folks where we are going to talk about critical thinking in coffee this is perhaps the thing that really led to Map It Forward being started, this podcast being started uh, seven-ish years ago. So, so join us for the next episode. Peace, love and peanut butter. Have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in, friends. There are two ways you can support this podcast. Firstly, become a paid member of our YouTube channel. Secondly, you can join our Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Both have options for exclusive ad-free content and early release content. Don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. The Daily Coffee Pro is produced by Map It Forward and the music you're listening to is called Run 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 off of my album Laundry After Midnight. To get older episodes of this podcast, 
podcast as well as more information on Map It Forward, head to mapitforward.coffee. You can find links and more information in the show notes below.